Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 20 of the Billy Wonka Experience with Trevor, Bryce, and Daryl. I don't know what to say anymore. I never saw Edmonton Oilers pulling out this series in five. I did think that Calgary might take it in seven. But if you were to tell me at the beginning of this series that Edmonton was going to have the upper hand and beat out the goaltending, the defense, and outscore the Flames the way they did to take it in five in Calgary in game five, unbelievable. I just, I'm starstruck. I am friggin' excited more than anything else. But oh, baby, Oilers are bound for the Western Conference Finals for the first time since 2006. What a time to be alive. What are you guys up to today? How are you guys doing? I'm doing good, buddy. Real good. Real, real real good. There was one common theme last night that I think I had with text messages with all the the people that were watching the game, and it started with F and it ended in K. It was unreal. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Bryce, what did you think? What were you thinking once... uh, in game five, what, what was your feeling leading into the game? And what do you think about the outcome? Well, for me, I was sitting at home and, you know, I was really, I was really comfortable yesterday because it was, it could have went either way. I was totally fine with it. Uh, my wife, Marcy, she's like, no, I think we're going to lose tonight. We went over to a friend's house and the other fans were like, well, I don't think we're going to do it tonight. But you know what? I've just seen these, these guys adopt in a way I've never seen in hockey before. It is blowing my mind, their ability to adapt to what they're throwing at them. They've been extremely resilient all playoffs. Oh, my God. I just – I couldn't believe it. And, yeah. and it's to the point where they can be down by five. No worries. Yeah. No big deal. Yeah. Trevor, how about you, man? What did you What do you think leading into the game, and what do you think about the outcome? Um, I, you know what, I'm going to say the same as you, Bryce. I had just like this overwhelming feeling of comfort that it was just like, I, I, I didn't feel anything after those, uh, you know, after the first period, it was a little bit of, Oh, I'm not too sure, but I made the mistake of, um, not assessing how long it would take to make, uh, what do you call it? Uh, pico de gallo or salsa fresca. I bought ingredients to make it. So I, I paused the game. <laughs> In the after the first intermission, I had to pause it because I was like, I'm nowhere near being done making this salsa fresca. I've never done it before, so it was a mistake. So I paused it and it took me like an hour. So I had my phone away. I wasn't looking at my phone, my computer was away, everything was away. Um, then came back and it was nice. You could skip all the commercials and the next intermissions and everything. So I finally caught up like halfway through the third period, is what ended up happening. But when they scored, it was just I felt this this overwhelming calmness that I was like, Oh, that's all right. That's like, just like you said, Bryce, it's like, we could be down by, we could have been down by five and it's like, Oh, that's, that's fine. And just as the game progressed, it's just that calmness just continued on throughout the entire night. And it was just, yeah. And it wasn't like they played against LA in game five. It wasn't like the game they played against in uh, Calgary in game one. There wasn't a panic to their game. Like, even though they were down, it seemed as though, like, the defense was by far and large one of the best byproducts of what we've seen for the, in the second round of the playoffs. Like, they were solid. And for a team, for Calgary, I think they were top three in the NHL for defensive play throughout the season. They got schooled. Like, the Edmonton Oilers schooled them in, with the play in front of the net. Like, they were, again, outside of game one, they were everywhere. And the defense... We weren't sure in the offseason last year with the acquisition of Duncan Keith. Lots of people made fun of Cody Cece. Even Sid Sixero made mention about Zach Hyman and all these people coming to the Oilers. But sticking to the defense, like probably 
the best showing of defense that we've seen from this team in a decade. Yeah. You go, Trevor. You talk about defense. Well, I I saw it a little bit different. I, I was more hard on the defense the last couple of games because I seem to notice myself anyways that Calgary, like the Calgary was really, really good at dumping the puck in. And then three Oilers would go back for it. And then the Flames would just float in behind and they would be left alone in the front of the net. That first goal there, I think it was uh, Keith and Kane both left Mangiapane just wide open and alone in front of the net. And it just seemed like that was Calgary's tactic for a lot of their goals throughout this series is they would dump it in and then they would have their defense float in or their one of their forwards float in real slow behind and they'd be wide open in the front. So there was definitely defensive blunders, but no, absolutely. They, they found pairings that were working and they, it seems like they, they definitely figured some shit out from last series to this series. And uh, they just played a much better defensive I mean, despite how many goals against there was, uh, it did seem like their positioning was a lot better in this series than against LA. For sure. Go ahead. I was just going to say, Bryce, when we talked about uh, goaltending to start the series, we went over a agree or disagree kind of series. We talked about agree or disagree that Edmonton had the advantage in net. And you said, no way. Markstrom is by far the better goaltender. I don't know what happened with him. I don't know if this was an anomaly against the Oilers. I don't know if there was so much firepower on the Oilers squad that they just he just couldn't handle it. But in the Battle of Alberta, he was shaky. And I didn't see it coming, but advantage Mike Smith. He wasn't the better goaltender. The Edmonton Oilers played better defensively, but Mark, like Markstrom had no answer for the Oilers at all. No, and I'm just going to speak to that defense real, just a quick blurb here. What I found last night, too, when those blunders happened or if the defense got hung up a little bit, that front end sure picked them up because mm-hmm. there were a lot of quick sticks in the middle of the ice when they were in Edmonton's end from the forwards. So I really like that aspect of their defense is the forwards were recognizing that there might be an odd man rush or, or something's out of sorts. Mm-hmm. So they'd get back and pick up on that. And as to the goaltending, I said it to Marcy last night. No, neither goalie played well last night. I mean, they played okay. Even yeah. Smith, man, played okay. There, you know, that goal from Goudreau, you know, should have had that one. But I agree, and I don't know if it's just it, – uh, you said it before that Edmonton has a different gear. And what's fucking scary to me is what is the next gear. Mm-hmm. Because I truly believe we haven't even seen – the, the end of these guys yet. And I just think they took advantage of Markstrom's weaknesses and they just plugged up the net. One of the greatest fucking chess moves I've ever seen in hockey, Jay Woodcroft putting Zach Hyman on that mm-hmm. fucking post. Mm-hmm. Because the game before, McDavid said it, I think it hit him in the guts. Like he blocked the puck, fell at his feet, and he banged it in. Mm-hmm. Same as last night. He parks on that corner. And he just yeah. gives guys, and he I mean, he probably says to him, "Fucking fired at my face. I don't care. I'll yeah. knock it out and bang it in." Yeah, it's just they found the weakness, and I just they finally crashed the net and mm-hmm. get guys in front of the net. And I just don't think Markstrom was really ready for that. I don't think he faced a whole lot of that through the regular season, and and it showed, I think, in the playoffs. Well, and when you look at you know, I'm going to jump ahead a second. I'm going to jump back. How fitting that Connor McDavid doesn't have a point in game five, scores a game-winning goal in overtime to push him off to the Western Conference Finals. And the irony behind all of that is 
Where did he score that goal? About a foot and a half off the ice, glove side, post in. The way that the Oilers started scoring against the Flames, the way that they finished scoring against the Flames, they had Markstrom's number. They found uh, they found a flaw in his game. They exploited it heavily. You didn't see that kind of game against Dallas when they were playing. And again, that second gear that the Calgary Flames needed to have to jump ahead of the Oilers in this series was nowhere to be found. And we talked about it a lot. They had been playing flat out all year long, and they just could not get over the hump. Zach Hyman, I'll speak to that point now. Like he put it this way, he's the first Oiler in NHL history to score a goal in every game in a series. He has been a horse. You look who's come through with Edmonton in in the history of the Oilers, right? That's pretty fucking awesome. It's amazing, right? So. I wrote some stats down here that I want to go over here. So Hyman had eight points in the series. Kane had six. McDavid had 12. Everybody, you know, they talked about how Connor McDavid beat them. I'm going to jump into that point next. 12 points. Leon Dreisaitl, 17 points. Most points in five games in a series in NHL history. Like, amazing. And then Nugent Hopkins still added six points. I think Bouchard had three goals. Like, the team, it wasn't one player that beat the Calgary Flames. It was an entire team with a captain who actually led them. It was a captain who led this squad through, but the team collectively, and I don't think there's enough being said about how the Edmonton Oilers played against the Calgary Flames. They talked about how the Flames didn't play a great game. They weren't doing great offensively. Their top line was nowhere to be seen. I think Edmonton Oilers top line had 25 goals and the or 25 points and the Flames were nowhere to be seen. So when you think about that for a second, like I just think this wasn't a case of, um, this wasn't a case of Cal- or Calgary not playing well. Edmonton outplayed the Flames, hands down. Is that right or wrong? Trevor? Um, yeah, it was... Uh, sorry, I was just trying to look it up. Um, I, I think... Do you think that the games would have been much different with... Because uh, wasn't Monaghan hurt and out for the playoffs or for the C- series? Yeah, Monaghan was yeah. out, but I don't He's think... So- I don't... I honestly... He would have. There would have been no value to him. I don't think. You don't think so? No. I don't know what they could have done. They could have went out and asked. I don't even know. Fuck. Did they get Ovechkin and <laughs> to come across? I don't know what they could yeah. have done. No. Yeah. No. I. I think uh, to touch on that. Yeah. They. It was just a uh, an overall game, like you said. The the Oilers had that next gear and cal- Like the thing is, is we're obviously going to touch on that topic coming up very quickly here. But that that goal disallow there. But the thing is, is there's so many opportunities throughout this series that Calgary could have won the games. How many games did they go into the third period? I think Sutter said it yesterday in his post-game press conference. Is how many games did they have the lead halfway through the third period and then give it up? Mm-hmm. Well, and game two and game five for sure, right? They were game, two goals ahead. Yeah, he said the three games that mattered the most in this series were two, four, and five. Yep. And he said, look at all, like, just look at the stats. He said, that's, it's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, it was just an overall Oilers just, I don't know. It was a, I think that it should not have been a five game series because the teams were both playing spectacular. There wasn't one time that I was like, wow, this team sucks. Mm-hmm. Like it was exciting hockey the whole time. Mm-hmm. It's just, um, yeah, we we had some of those extra bounces, or maybe not wasn't even bounces. And, this is a uh, case, though. Like when you look at when you look at the series, um, the Edmonton Oilers made adjustments, right? Like they made adjustments to play Calgary, and they shut them down. 
they would watch video and they came out every game and they played a different style of game depending on what they felt Calgary was putting on them. And yeah, they had a ton of offensive zone pressure. But mm-hmm. Bryce, I mean, really, again, this goes back to defense. Like kudos to the Edmonton Oilers. They completely shut down the Flames. There was no answer. Absolutely they did. And even, even yesterday, like uh, they talked to Woodcroft after in his post game. And he says, I don't, and he's talking to the media. He goes, I don't know if you saw what I did out there, but I, I, I shifted things up a little bit. And they're like, oh yeah, we noticed Kane got moved back. And he goes, mm-hmm. you know what? We just saw something in Hyman. And he said, uh, we just thought we'd move him up to the top line. So then they, of course, they ask and they said, well, what did you say to Kane on the bench? He said, well, that's when I let him know what our plan was. I wasn't going to do it in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. Just going to whisper in his ear. This is what we expect. And he said, you know, uh, we, we just, we adapted, right? He just picks up on it way quicker. Yeah. And like I said, if Monaghan was there, fuck it, they would have adapted to that. If, yeah. I don't think there was any one player that could have stepped into the series, like even Tanev. Like there wasn't one player that stepped in that could have made, could have been a game changer for the Flames. There just wasn't. Like they did not have a response. And yes, they're a big team. Yes, they're a punishing team. They can check. They're really good defensively. But when you have an offensively offensive-minded team that can come in and score goals and can shut you down on the other end, like I mean, really, Calgary's defense was good. They weren't great, they were good. But I think that just speaks volumes to what Jay Woodcroft has done with this team. Like when he took over, the, the Oilers were 10th, 10th in the West. Mm-hmm. And they finished second in the Pacific and managed to come out, win round one, which was a nail biter, but they learned from their mistakes and whatever. Whatever Jay Woodcroft is doing, this team has bought in. They've learned from all their mistakes. It seems like, you know, this goes back to how you were feeling when the game was going on. There's just a calmness to this team. There's like a maturation process that's happened with a ton of growth. And to me, it's like, I have a, I have a really good feel for this team that I don't want to get too excited about, but it's really hard not to just watch them and go, holy fuck, like we're watching something great happening right now. Yeah. When well, you talk... Ahead, you look between um, Markstrom, between Dallas and Oilers, the two playoffs, he had the second highest increase overall of goals against average between the two series. Mm-hmm. So is it because Dallas just didn't have the scoring power or was he just in a different mindset against Dallas than he was against Edmonton? Like we talked about it before. Did this battle of Alberta, did this ruffle up anything in, inside of people for the nerves, for the excitement? Like, did it do anything? what the hell happened between their series against Dallas and series against the Oilers? Like that, it's that's both. a major difference. I it's a it's major both. change. What do you think, Bryce? Oh, I, I, I don't know. And I don't, whether the pressure of them, I mean, we've heard it all along, Scarabelli, all these guys, oh, the only Canadian team that even has a chance to win the Stanley Cup this year is Calgary Flames, right? The best thing to ever happen to the Oilers coming in, and I think we have to maybe look at it from that side, is there were no expectations. Really? I mean, at the start of the year, yeah, they were, you know, touted to be the front runners, but then they had their slump. They were in 10th. They get a new coach. Coaches far. So it kind of fell off. So really, when they came into L.A., yeah, they were expected to win it. It went seven. So then everybody's even like, well, now they're going to really fucking meet a team in Calgary. So this is yeah. short-lived. And they went in with no expectations. And Woodcroft, there is no panic button within a no. thousand miles of that, man. No. You know, no. so I don't know if it's, and maybe got to Markstrom's head a little bit, you know. He's the starter of the team that's expected to carry the Canadian flag and Canadian pride, you know. So, yeah. 
I don't know. Maybe. Got I, yeah, I do think it's, I, I agree with you. I think there was a, a bit of both, but I think, you know, you look back at the battle of Alberta and we talked about this already, like the Oilers had scored four or more goals against Markstrom throughout the entire season. I can't remember how many games overall it was. And then coming into the season or the series, he didn't have nearly the quality of shots put on him from the same offensive minded players. And I do think after game one, I think that rattled him. And then game two comes and it's the same thing. And then game three and then game four and then game five. And I think after a while, I would say that the first goal in the first in game two and three probably rattled him. And I would say the second goal in game five rattled him a lot. And there was just no coming back. Like the best save of the series of the series that he made was that toe save on the puck that was just about to trickle into the net, his best save ever. And if that was, you know, like a, if that was a, a game saving goal or save, then I could see him probably step up and re- recognize that he could take this the distance, but there was no answer. There, there just really wasn't. So here's some statistics from this round of the playoffs. So game one was the most goals scored in the Battle of Alberta in NHL history. There was 45 goals scored in nine games. The Oilers scored four or more goals in each of the game in this series. The last three games, Edmonton's top line put up 25 points. Leon Dreisaitl scored three or had three or more points in each game. And he's the first player to do that in NHL history. Game five had the four fastest goals scored in Stanley Cup history. And then I mentioned Zach Hyman had six goals in the series, and he's the first Oiler in NHL history to score a goal in each of the games in a series. Like that alone, never mind the rest of the statistics that these guys have set in the first two rounds. That is one round, and that's only five games. If this ga- if this series went the distance to seven, we'd be breaking records all over oh, the yeah. place. It has been a phenomenal offensive season for the for the team in the postseason. And watching Connor McDavid score the overtime winner, I was I was screaming so loud. Like I'm surprised <laughs> the kids didn't wake up. I was just I was ecstatic. It was unbelievable to watch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's that's the thing is is with with all those stats and with everything being said, like overall, like is this a series with those stats that's going to go down in history and for how long? Like to have you know was Leon three three points in each one of the games. Mm-hmm. You got Hyman with how many goals? Like even Evander Kane held a series. Like every player like this, and then for Connor to come in to have that record of how many games in a row, like multi point games in a row. Um, or even just games in a row with a point for that game five, for him to put the puck in the back of the net, it was just poetic. It was absolutely poetic for that to be yeah. the point that Connor got last night was yeah. to be that game winning goal. Yeah. And it just, you, you gotta love that. You gotta Trevor, love I, was, I was talking to you before we got on Bryce. There's a, there's a video out there that somebody took the moments before the goal for Connor and they took that. My heart will go on by Celine Dion. <laughs> and then so right when he scores, the base kicks in and he, <laughs> It's, it's oh, hilarious. And then there's another, the, like, Twitter and Instagram, like, the people are freaking hilarious. And the memes and the stuff that are coming out of this are amazing. And there's one with a picture of Amber Heard and then a picture with, of Jacob Markstrom. And it says, two people guaranteed to shit the bed. I know, right? <laughs> well, I know, I know. Yeah. There, there's one stat, and I don't know if you guys picked up on this one. So I just pulled this up. So we've got Dreisaitl and McDavid tied, 12 games, seven goals, 19 assists each. Then you get Evander Kane. So top three right there. So here's the one I like. Leon Dreisaitl plus seven. That's pretty decent in 12 games. Kane plus seven in 12 games. Connor McDavid plus 19 Yep. in 12 games. Yep. Is that amazing? It's, it's 
fucking astronomical. <laughs> and if I'm not mistaken, Bryce, if Connor McDavid is number one with plus 19, uh, Darnell Nurse is second with plus 11, and Cody Cece is third at plus nine. It's, it's, it blows my mind, man. It yeah. absolutely blows my mind. Like, like yeah, I would it's say, not even you know, close. really the next closest player from another team with a plus, like, like plus eight, Kale McCarr, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and really that's the closest. Yeah. No, you're, you're right. It's been phenomenal. And like I said, the one player that needed to show up in this series was R&H. Um, what I didn't re- realize about his stats was, Going into game five, he had 19 points in 20 playoff games. That's pretty dead. That's almost a point a game for him. And I didn't give him enough credit before. I had missed the two points he had. But his two goals in game four were huge. Like oh. the game winner was huge for him. And what better a player to score a goal? It's almost very poetic, just like game five, that RNH is the one that saves, saves a game for the Oilers and puts him up to game five to eliminate Calgary in Calgary at the Saddle Dome. When they scored, you can hear the Oiler fans in the crowd, and they were almost louder than the Flames when they scored. It was amazing. I want to get to the disallowed goal because there's a lot of interesting chatter about that, guys. Um, Who wants to go first? What did you guys think about the disallowed goal? Bryce, go for it. Oh, well. hmm. (laughs) Yep. I – there were angles – that I was like, no. And then there was an angle that I was like, yeah. And obviously, and I have a lot of respect for Wes McCauley. I think he's probably the top NHL rep right now. So they obviously saw something that a lot of people didn't. Yeah. I was watching it back and there were two things. That it was his back leg that he brought through behind him that hit the puck. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that puck was hit, he was able to stop right mm-hmm. now. And actually Marcy pointed that out to me. If he wasn't kicking it in, he wouldn't have stopped so fast after. Yeah. Okay. That being said, if any Flames fan out there has the audacity to say we lost the series because of that play, you better look back at the previous four fucking games. 100%. You know, if that was game seven, sure. I would be like, you know what? Fuck, that was a little different. Game five, when you're down three to one, if that's your fucking moment, I'm sorry. No, and I think Derek uh, Sutter would say the same thing. Yeah. You know, if we're going to define our playoffs as being destroyed by one fucking play, we're not going to do it. And not only that, I mean, we saw lots of shit not get called. We saw previous games with the Oilers with quick whistles and stuff. Goalie like interference, that. right? You know, so it, it did go both ways. Unfortunately, yeah, you know, it, it was it could have been a make or break for the game. I think, but. Either way, I was like, fuck it. So they score, we'll just go get another one. Yeah, It don't matter to me. So. Yeah, very much. Trevor, what about you? Yeah, it was kind of the same thing. Certain angles looked like it, certain angles didn't. Um, what I really liked was when Bieksa was doing a breakdown of it. Because mm-hmm. he's been there. He's been in those positions. He's been in front of the net. He's crashed the net. Um, I just thought that he pointed out a lot of really realistic points about it. And how, you know, your natural instinct, if you're falling forward like that, is your leg is not going to be in that position. Um, And he was just giving him props. Like, he did a fantastic job at making it look like he was just trying to catch his balance. Um, And, like, in my heart, I was like, there's not enough to overturn that. Mm -hmm. In my head, I was like, come on, there's got to be, like, let's get this spark going here. But, no, there was not, at one point, there was not one time that I was like, yeah, there's enough to overturn it because it was called a goal on the ice. Yeah. So it has to be 
definitive evidence without question mm-hmm. to overturn a goal. Yeah. So obviously they saw it and they, they made that call. And of course we're going to be on side and being like, yeah, yeah, no, it was kicked in, but there was mm-hmm. not one part of me that was like, yeah, no, it's, it's I didn't think it was enough to overturn a goal in, in yeah. game five to, you know, to put flames ahead. But I think I it was mean, the that's... overhead camera that got the best picture of how his feet, how his left foot came. Like he was being tripped, right? So he, he clips Mike Smith's pad with his right foot. His upper body starts falling forward and somehow he still manages to bring his left leg out, tuck it underneath his body, kick the puck in the net. And then he's like, what? I... Like, well, if, if it was a, if it was a bounce against the Oilers, I wasn't concerned. Cause even if they lost that game, game six in Edmonton, they weren't yeah. going to win that game. There's no way. Well, who was it that was saying, like, you can see him looking at the puck the whole time. I was just going to say, you can actually watch his his direction of look from the post to the puck. And then as he's going down that left skate, come back underneath. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Was that going to go in anyways, though? It was. And that was the problem, is that puck was going to go in the net regardless of whether he kicked it or not. And unfortunately for him, it was just a bit of a mishap that, you know, he, he pushed a little bit too hard. And I mean, like, like you said, like kudos to the refing. Uh, and I think it was the NHL who uh, sparked the the review on that because they said, no, no, there's a distinct kicking motion in this. And I know there was a lot of people going, no, he was trying to stop. We'll never know because we're not the player. Like we can't, we can't say what Blake Coleman was thinking and he's not going to tell the truth anyway. Oh. Yeah. But we're not either paid. way. We're not finally, paid to make that decision. <laughs> no, no, that's right. And you couldn't pay me enough, but finally the bounce <laughs> goes, goes the Oilers way, right? Like Connor yeah. said it best. He's like, I didn't watch it. He goes, but obviously we're grateful that the, the, the call went the way that it did because yeah and you knew when that goal was saved and they were going in overtime i knew i just had that feeling that the oilers were going to score and this was going to be a controversial thing that they were going to talk about for the rest of the playoffs but it can't taint the oilers they were the better team so yeah. like any any calgary flames that want to talk about how oh this and that no no you, you had like, multiple yeah you yeah. had yeah. multiple opportunities to win games yeah. and you just didn't just flat out you yeah. had multiple opportunities to win this series and, and you, you just didn't. couldn't yeah you no. just couldn't do it so you can't put it on to one disallowed goal no. that lost you the series absolutely not so that's when you look at round two all of round two who is your unsung hero of this series who did you Zach think Hyman. <laughs> no hesitation it's <laughs> no right hesitation there. it's right there bryce what yeah. about you yeah you know what i agree 100 percent that it's Zach Hyman. And yeah, work ethic. It is right, and there, and I think he just exudes, man. He just exudes the the joy and the, and they're all. It just leaks onto everybody, right? Like, yeah, yeah. He he stepped yeah. up. Okay, well, I'm gonna go outside the box. I'm gonna say Kulak. He for a defenseman who they traded for at the deadline. He's got the Stanley Cup playoff experience. They went to the finals last year. Um, he has been such a great addition to the team. And yeah, everybody's making mistakes here and there, but he has been phenomenal and just quietly brilliant. And him and, and Tyson Berry, like together, there wasn't a lot of shift that those guys had where I was nervous with them on the ice. Like they were a good, solid sounding pair. And, and I think a lot of that has to do with Kulak's ability to just calm the play. Like he was huge for them in that series. No, that's a great point. And the difference between the LA series and this series too, what I find is... In the LA series, our defense was way more noticeable because they were they weren't as solid as we liked, right? As you said at best, man, very quiet back there. I don't even remember honestly looking and seeing Barry on the ice because he just did what he was supposed to do. 
Yeah. Right. There was nothing glaring and outstanding. He'd get the puck, move it up. And you kind of forget that he made a really good defensive play. Same with Kulak. Same with uh, Keith, who I think really stepped up. He did. This, yeah. yeah. This series as well. So, yeah, it's that old theory, you know, like no news is good news. Well, if you don't see them, yeah, they must be doing something right. If you don't notice them, they're doing something right. Yeah. And, and I, like, again, kudos to all the defense. Like, the entire team played a role. And, I think Zach Cassian and Archibald, they only played about five or six minutes respectively in that game, but he noticed something like Yamamoto. Okay. There's another unsung hero. Like Yamamoto was huge in this game. Puyarvi does step up and, and score a goal. He was another, he was flew under the radar. He wasn't scoring a lot, but he was throwing bodies around. Like there was a lot of solid play with his, with this team. And, and uh, I was just happy to see it, but you know, like they're, they're, they're on another level right now. And there's a trajectory for these guys that I think that is can be unmatched but tonight is uh game six between colorado and st louis they're in st louis so i think there's a chance that this series can go seven games um what's our preference of who the Oilers are going to play in the western conference finals is there a preference what do you guys think i don't know because each team has their own strengths but if i'm just looking at it as as a black and white who i'd rather play i would say st louis because Colorado's scoring power I think we would have a really hard time stopping them and like we mentioned Kale McCarr earlier that kid is unbelievable McKinnon incredible like all like I don't know something about Colorado the last couple years has just scared me so I'm I mean at the same time if St. Louis takes them down then we've got something to worry about with St. Louis but if I was to pick I would I would prefer to play against St. Louis Uh, yeah for sure and I think one of the big things too is I think we'd be better have the ability to take advantage of Bennington's weaknesses as opposed to Kemper's. Yeah. Kemper, yeah. I mean. Well, Bennington's not even playing. He's hurt right now. They're, oh. uh, Billy Huso is the net for them. Yeah. Bennington is out for the series for these guys. Oh, okay. Oh, Remember, so, Caudry okay. crashed the net and they took, he took him oh, out. Oh, yeah. Cause he, been, yeah. But any, I yeah, think we're, yeah. we have a better ability to find the, find the weakness and, and just take advantage of it over mm-hmm. Kemper. And if we do play Colorado, my thinking is the games will be eight, seven. They're going to like, it's going to be ridiculous. And I have a gut feeling that we may be chasing them a bit more. You know, we may get down by those two goals and we're going to have to fight back a lot more. And they're going to be some high, high score. I would say the Oilers played their best hockey against in the regular season against the avalanche though. Right. Like their, their games, I think the highest scoring game they had was four, three, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, here's, here's the other question to you. Does Colorado have another level, or are they mm-hmm. have they maxed out? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of hype around them, and the one thing that I think they're losing out on right now is the fact that they were up three nothing against St. Louis, and St. Louis stormed back and wins it in overtime. And I think that's it. Just it's again, it's very very Markstrom esque of what Kemper is doing right now. Like he's not that team's not able to hold them in the games, and they're fresh. They're trying to win a Stanley cup. They've, there's a lot of expectations, but the St. Louis blues have been there and they know what they know how to hand, handle this situation. And they just seem to be slowly grinding away at Colorado. I can see St. Louis pulling off a win tonight and I can see it going to game seven. And then after that, it's anybody's guess. I don't honestly, I don't care who they play in the Western conference finals, because I think whatever it is, I still feel very confident that the Oilers will be able to identify the style of play that's being, that's being thrown at them and adapt to it. And, and their resilience has been phenomenal all year round. So to me, I, I don't, I don't really care to me. I don't really care. I'm indifferent. Yeah. 
Well, when you when you look at so you said Huso is is playing for them right now versus Bennington. So if it was if Bennington was a net, we would be it would be a different series against Colorado because Bennington's got a nine forty nine save percentage, one seven two goals against. Uh, Huso is an eight eight four with mm-hmm. three seven eight goals against. Mm-hmm. So that is uh, Bennington is number one. Huso is number twenty one when it comes to when it comes to stats like that. So, I mean, like. Uh, I there's know, a lot St- of similarities between St. Louis and LA though. I think like when you look at the style of play and the shutdown centers that they have, I think there's going to be a lot that St. Louis can do to really quiet the Edmonton Oilers when it comes to their offensive abilities. So you like, look at Ryan O'Reilly, like he's very much the same kind of player as Philip Deneau, except he's a Stanley cup champion and he's a hard nosed gritty center who I think can take a lot away from the Oilers offense. Um, but then having said that, I think you're going to see a structured defensive game with St. Louis. And I think, Colorado, their defense is good, but I think you're going to see a very, a very potent offensive series if that's the way that it goes. And I mean, the Oilers shut down the top line for, for Calgary. I don't know that they can do the same thing with Colorado. So you're going to be looking at probably a higher goals against average for Mike Smith. But if he can, if he can stick to two to three goals a game, I think the Oilers will be okay against Colorado. If he can stick to one or two goals against St. Louis, I think that they'll be okay against St. Louis. It's anybody's guess. I don't really care. I, I'm, I just can't. I, I'm fucking ecstatic. Like I, I'm super excited to see what the hell's going to happen with the Oilers going into the Western Conference Finals, and we might know as soon as tonight, or maybe we find out on Sunday. Either way, I still, I'm still holding out that the finals is going to be Edmonton and Tampa Bay. You know, who saw them sweeping Florida? But they're right in it, and I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But could you imagine? If it's the Edmonton Oilers versus the Carolina Hurricanes in the Stanley Cup Finals, a rematch of 05-06, that would be something else. Oh, that uh, would be fucking epic. Oh, and it, I say, I'm like you, though. It don't matter. I'll, I'll no. take anybody. Yeah. yeah. It's what it is, man. This, this team has a lot of confidence. They have a lot of ability. They're resilient. They're adapting. They're showing a lot of maturation. The, it's just there's a lot of shit clicking right now at the same time, and what a time to be alive, as I said it before. We didn't have a chance to go over game four, uh, game three and four. It doesn't matter. Game five was phenomenal, and here we go. Fellas, thanks for joining me today. Uh, man, we're going to see what's going to happen tonight. We'll, uh, we'll touch base after game one of the Western Conference Finals and talk about what we saw. Probably won't be as squirrely as it was for game one between Edmonton and Calgary, but here we go. It's going to be phenomenal, guys. I'm super excited. I can't wait for it. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Have yourself a great day. Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you here on Monday. Go Oilers. Go Oilers.